I think that it's safe to say that by now, masses have been canceled in most dioceses in North America. I hope that most churches are still open, but no public baptisms, funerals, no first communions or confirmations, no public reconciliation services. But it's okay to go quietly and pray at church, as long as you're practicing social distancing. But people are upset about mass. I was at a mass last Monday night when we were still allowed to have daily mass as long as there weren't more than 50 people. And we had to turn about 20 people away. It was one of the hardest things I've ever experienced. And the reading on Sunday of the Samaritan woman is all about being thirsty. People are thirsty for mass. But we shouldn't get angry that we don't have it. The church teaches that Christ saves us by his sacrifice on the cross and he continues to save us in the Eucharist as his sacrifice continues to be made present over and over again. So we are saved by the Eucharist. But the Eucharist is not just saving those who are at Mass, receiving the Eucharist. Our receiving of the Eucharist is actually saving the whole world. Our receiving of the Eucharist is saving all the people who are not at Mass receiving the Eucharist. During these coronavirus times, the Eucharist is being celebrated daily by our priests. The world is being saved. We don't have to be there for it to save us. Stay home and make as many spiritual communions as you can. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And yes, we are social distancing yes. here. Billy was wearing a mask, <laughs> but he took it off because I promised that I had cleaned all the microphones. Um, this is not a coronavirus edition. I, 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 I actually, it isn't. This is yeah, our regular please. show. We're going to continue with our regular programming. Um, although we're hoping that I mean, people are sitting at home wondering what to do. Um, they're bored. Kids are bored. So I am. I am sad. I'm actually sad. Are you every, sad? No. I'm, every time when I hear the the the, the word coronavirus and the update, you know, coming up is the update in the news. Oh no! Please don't tell me more good news. Well, here's good news. You tune into the Salt and Light Hour. You're staying at home, listening on the Catholic Channel. Just sit back, enjoy the program. Um, maybe you're podcasting the show because you can get this show anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, if you're doing that, make sure you give us lots of reviews because we are giving you good news, yes. hopeful news, uh, maybe distracting news, things Only that have news. nothing <laughs> to do with COVID-19. Exactly. Um, so there you go. Um, and, and that's what this Salt and Light Hour is because you can go to our website saltandlighttv.org and find all the programs we've done like there's like 430 programs there um, to distract you from this crisis yeah. um, we will talk a little bit about COVID-19 <laughs> <laughs> sorry because because Matteo is on again oh um, people he's have been, in Rome people have, have been complaining that the Holy Father was not saying anything or doing anything well Matteo is going to give us some updates because the Holy Father has been saying things and doing things um, and we're also going to be hearing uh, today from Jillian Cantor Jillian's back she hasn't been in the program ooh in a long time uh but uh, she's at home. She's We're, always worked from home. She she works from <laughs> home, but now all her kids at home. So she's home with six, ki six kids. Um, I don't know if that means that we're going to have <laughs> six kids on our show today. That would be so, so fun. So that could be fun. Um, lots of ideas, hopefully, on what to do with your kids at home. Wow. Um, and as usual, we have uh, Church for a question with Billy. Yes. You know, the, tr the, the, the question also about COVID-19. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, you, no, no. I, I, uh, especially you know in this 
time. You know, I, I, I think I'm I'm not a lot younger than you, right? I don't You're know. a lot younger I'm, than me. I'm a lot me. younger than you. A lot but younger. But the thing is, you know, I mean, you know, it's the first time that uh, I experienced this kind of things. Okay. Like, you know, this is even worse than SARS. I th- no, I think. no, you're right. Nobody has experienced this. Um, unless you're 100 years un- old. Uh, no, unless <laughs> you've been in, in war. I was thinking about yeah. living through the invasion of Panama. I was there and it was very similar and that we couldn't go out. Actually, oh, you couldn't okay. go out at all. Okay. Um, and a lot of people had did not have groceries. So And, and toilet paper was an issue there too. Wow. Um, that's but, why maybe. <laughs> so I don't know. It was different in some ways better, in some ways worse. No, that's my, so anybody my... who's experienced wartime... Yeah. Curfews. So basically my, my thing is a first world problem because I have been in the first world for yes, like yes. over, you know, a few decades, right? Yes. So yes. Yeah. Yes, it is uh but anyway, you still haven't told us what the question is. I will tell you the question about it's about COVID nineteen. Okay, so so, so a church it's, for it's dummies. Good news, good news about <laughs> COVID nineteen. Okay, and then completely here's where we go away from this crisis and, and talk about another issue which people deal with every day. What is it? Um, Alzheimer's. Oh. oh, oh. Um, um, oh. I don't know. I'm, you, maybe you have some relatives no, or family I, members or, or no. people. My mom had Alzheimer's. Oh. And I know how, how that is a difficult situation for a lot of people, especially yeah. when you don't know what to expect. Because like this crisis, every day living with yeah. Alzheimer's is something new. And you adjust and then it changes. Exactly. Um, so um, today we're going to be speaking with uh, uh, an author, Rhonda Hoffman. She had to deal with her mother's dementia. Uh-huh. And uh, she thinks that it's likely that maybe she might also have it. And so she wanted to prepare her daughters. So she wrote a letter to them. And she's going to join us in about half an hour to tell us all about it. Um, if you're not going to be listening to the program, then remember you can go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Um, and listen to the program there. You can subscribe it as a podcast and also because that's a conversation that you probably don't want to miss. A love letter, a pre-dementia love letter, she calls it, to her daughters. Um, and then at the end of the program... Music. Music. <laughs> okay, so we have a new a new artist. Who is that? A new artist, and it's your favorite music, Billy. What is it? Jazz? Hip-hop. Okay. <laughs> Billy is, is quite the hip-hop uh, uh, fan here. Do that again? Yeah? Okay, there you go. Billy doing some rapping. Chinese um, hip hop. Chinese hip hop. <laughs> yeah, so, so this guy's not Chinese. His name is Connor Flanagan. Nice, okay. nice Irish name. Um, we're going to be meeting Connor Flanagan. He's a hip hop artist from Ohio, and he's been doing some very new and, and interesting stuff. I actually would say that it's not your typical hip hop. It's very good. Um, so he's going to be joining us uh, over the phone today. He's nice. also probably at home. Um, at the end of the program. And again, if you're if you're not going to be listening to the show in about 40 minutes, be sure to go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, to listen to the rest of the show and uh, to listen to all the segments. You can also podcast the show. You can also get the show on your Roku. Just look for Salt and Light TV. So, Billy? Yes. Anything I'm, else? I'm, I'm ready. You're pumped? I am ready. So here we go. We're going to start no. with a song, a little bit of hip hop today really to get you music. going. If you're at home and you need to do some exercise, yes. do some hip hop with Connor Flanagan. Here it is with uh, Connor Flanagan with Skyscrapers from his album, Skyscrapers. When I close my eyes, all I see are skyscrapers towering over me. When I close my eyes, all I say are my prayers. 
I got dreams so much bigger than reality. They're scaring me. Skyscraping done waiting for someone to carry me to the finish line. And I'm like kerosene. Waiting for a match to light me up. There'll be no stopping me. I wake up every day. Check my feet. See who's following me. Spotify. Check the streams. None of this means a thing. If I don't follow where you lead. No plan B. Don't you see? This is my reality. They say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Well, I'm eight years in and I'm ready for what's next. I'm so honored by the gift of every ear that I'm lent. You can spend your money anywhere, so thanks for paying my rent. I close my eyes late at night. The stars, they're shining bright. And I just don't got the time to wait for them to align. I hear a voice inside my heart like a ripple in the dark. Waters of a pond reflecting who you are. Connor Flanagan with Skyscrapers from his album of the same name and singing with Connor on that track is Rin Tarsi. And we're going to be speaking with Connor Flanagan in about 30 minutes. But first, back to Rome. Here's Matteo Cioffi with our news. Welcome back, Matteo. Hello, 
Pedro. Always good to be here with you. Yes, always good to hear you too. So some people were uh, a little upset because they were saying the Pope wasn't doing or saying anything, but that has changed, right? So uh, we know that the lockdown continues through Italy and also at the Vatican. And mm-hmm. we know the situation is still pretty complicated and it will be this kind of situation until April 3rd. But you right. know, in the meanwhile, the Pope is doing uh, the Mass every day at Santa Marta, the yes. Angelus, the general audience. So anyway, he's busy. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we have actually, for people, if they wanted to tune in to that Mass, in English, we're broadcasting it here at saltandlighttv.org. Uh, I believe 9.30 in the morning Eastern, um, so people can tune in uh, live at that time on our website and and watch the Holy Father's Mass, including Sundays. He started doing it on Sundays as well, right, Matteo? Yes, yes. Right. Uh, yes, this is for sure one of the uh, unusual things that we are uh, experiencing in these days, but we know that they are very, very unusual days. Yes. Uh, last Sunday, the Pope held another Angelus from the Library of the Apostolic Palace, right. but that's not the most important thing, because in the afternoon there was something unexpected. Uh, the Holy Father went to the Basilica of Santa Maria Maggiore, where uh-huh. he prayed in front of the icon of the Salus Populi Romani. Right. That's a gesture that the pontiff usually makes when an apostolic journey happens. Yes, he's been doing Before this a lot. Departure, yes. And subsequently, after on the retour journey, to thank the Virgin for the journey itself. Yeah. Uh, after this stop at the Basilica Santa Maria Maggiore, the Pope moved to Via del Corso, downtown in the city center, to reach the Church of San Marcello. Uh-huh. For what reason? Because inside San Marcello there is the crucifix, which in 1522 was carried around the neighborhoods of Rome during the Great Plague. Right. And mm. it was in uh, 1522, and 500 years later, this crucifix is again central and deeply topical. Interesting. And, Sorry, just to stop you, know, you, Matteo, just to stop you. So this is all the images that we might have seen, some people might have seen of the Holy Father walking, because he walked from Santa Maria Maggiore to the Church of San Marcello, right? On the street. Yes, there were basically three pictures about uh, this, uh, you know, walk of the Pope along Via del Corso, and yeah. the other two were about Santa Maria Maggiore. Right. But then he prayed in San Marcello, and after that he returned to the Vatican. Wow. Uh, talking about the news, uh, last Saturday, on the website of the Pontifical House, mm-hmm. the Vatican Prefecture, basically, and this is... Um, how can we say, like the institution which manages the free tickets for the event. Uh-huh. Anyway, on the website there was an announcement explaining that all the celebrations regarding Easter week are confirmed, but at the same time there will be no presence of people. Okay. And the message was uh, saying also an update that all the celebration, including the Angelus and the general audience until April 12th, will continue to be in this way. So this is something we can say that never happened, you know? No, never. The recent history of the Church, and we are going to see something uh, unique and very unusual. So the Pope will still celebrate those, uh, preside at those celebrations for television, but they will not be open to the public. Exactly. Vatican Media will broadcast all the celebrations, so all the people around the world will be able to watch it, but for the first time, 
no people allowed no people. in the square, no people, you know, inside the basilica. Something right. very, very strange. Right. And again, for people, they can tune in, watch it, saltandlighttv.org. We'll be broadcasting all those events uh, in English and translation from the Vatican, uh, either on our cable network or online at saltandlighttv.org. Yes, Matteo. Very unprecedented. Yes. Yes. And um, today, the Pope uh, told to uh, Repubblica, an Italian newspaper, yeah. and uh, he focused on this very particular period uh, because all the Italians are at home, all the Italians are living this kind of quarantine. Yes. Uh, and the Pope said something very interesting because he said that during these difficult days we can find small concrete gestures expressing closeness and concreteness towards the people closest to us. Mm-hmm. A caress for our grandparents, a kiss for our children, mm-hmm. for the people that we love. Yes. And these are important gestures. And he said that if we live these days like this, they will not be wasted. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting, you know, exhortation of the Pope to try to take advantage. Yes. Yes. Good, good, good advice from the Holy Father, exhorting us to, to be kind and with not forget uh, those kind gestures to the family that we're <laughs> that we're forced to be with in isolation. Thank you, Matteo. Uh, thank you for that update, and uh, stay safe, okay? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Pedro. I cannot go out, so I will stay here at home. <laughs> Very good. Matteo Cioffi, our Rome correspondent. You can watch his weekly Italian program, Vaticano 360, and follow him at Matteo Cioffi. Hey, everybody. It's Marie Miller, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to saltandlighttv.org. All our programs are archived there. Now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Last time it was Advent. Now we're hitting up Lent here. So. Now we're in Lent. And I was going to say you're, you got the kids at home, but of course you have the kids at home because it's March break. Yes. So March you break. would have had the kids at home anyway. But yes. <laughs> There's just always going to be kids at home. <laughs> well, some <laughs> kids, not all the kids. <laughs> yeah. We just like to keep our kids home for Lent. It's our... <laughs> it's your our Lenten sacrifice. penance, your Lenten sacrifice. <laughs> kids get to stay home. <clears throat> yes, but of course they're home because of the world situation yes. presently um, with the coronavirus. So, yeah, our Lent has all of a sudden taken on a bigger mm-hmm. meaning or more sacrifice, or we're not even really sure right now what is happening, but yeah. we're just trying to do our best to live it day by day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start off by telling you a story that happened on the day after Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. so Thursday, second official day of Lent. Um, we have limited screen time for the kids during Lent. We haven't given up on it completely because, especially for three-year-olds, it's a bit of a difficult concept to mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's obviously very helpful. <laughs> I can have her occupied for 10 minutes while yes. I am helping another person. So yes. Um, so on the second day of Lent, Janie comes to me and says, Mommy, can I have a show? And I said, no, Janie, remember you had one already, so no more shows right now. And she looked at me very, very thoughtfully, and she said, is it still Lent? And I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and very dramatically, she throws her head back, ah, why is this taking so long? <laughs> so, like, oh, Jane, this is only the second day. We've got a long 
way to go. So I feel for her now, especially because yes. of just how our schedules have changed. Yes. Um, I mean, it's, it is March break, and it's supposed to be fun, and we had a few different activities planned, but um, as everything around the world is being canceled, so have our plans, and rightly so. We're not complaining about that. It is just, um, it's an overwhelming reality when you get notice after notice, canceled, canceled, yeah. schools canceled, pianos canceled, sports are canceled, um, play dates are limited, libraries closed, all these things, um, state of emergency is all a new reality for us. Mm-hmm. So we find ourselves now um, sacrificing, in addition to our Lenten sacrifices, we're sacrificing these things that we want to do or the places that we want to be. Um, and then on top of that, we hear from our diocese that the masses are canceled. Mm-hmm. And of all the things, I think this was one the one thing that made us all stop and take pause. And I honestly was surprised by my own reaction to it. Um, you know, with a lot of kids, when you go to Mass, you can't always pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're chasing a one-year-old around, or you're just distracted, or you're taking somebody to the bathroom. And there's many Sundays, I'll admit, that I leave there thinking, what was the point of that? Why would I even go? What did I even get out of it? Mm-hmm. But then when I get the message that I cannot go, um, I was really it brought to tears because I realized in that moment, this I am getting something out of it. I am getting that sacramental grace. I am receiving Jesus. That's why I'm going. I may not be able to hear the entire homily, but I have received Jesus in the Eucharist, and that has obviously made a difference in my heart and in my life. So that moment of being told that, that that's not going to be happening indefinitely was heartbreaking. Um, and it's something you have to explain to the kids. And they take it, just like they've taken everything else that we've been telling them is canceled, it's just, oh, one more thing, and mm-hmm. and it's disappointing to them. And as we have Annie preparing for her First Communion and uncertainty about when that's happening, there's disappointment there. And um, yeah, just a lot of question marks for us and for all of our kids. So I don't really, <laughs> it doesn't really lesson that we're all, that I'm learning from my kids, but it's lessons that we're all learning together Um unprecedented for us, this weird, this bizarre time that we're experiencing in this Mm -hmm. world. But as we're going through this, um, and even prior to going through this, um, I'm working through the Chronicles of Narnia series with the older boys, um, and we happen to be on Prince Caspian, that novel. Um, And if you're not familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia series, I can't possibly summarize it as a lot that goes on. (laughs) But this one particular scene that we actually read the same day that we heard that our masses were canceled thought was quite gripping. <laughs> um, and basically all you need to know to understand the story is that there's this little girl, Lucy, and for a period of time due to well, time and space and reality, she's been separated from this character, Aslan. Now Aslan is a talking lion, and he's also he's the Christ figure in this series. Mm-hmm. So she's been separated from him for years and years and years. Um, and in this scene... She sees him in the distance, and they are about to be reunited. And I'll just read this to you as she sees him. But for the movement of his tail, he might have been a stone lion, but Lucy never thought of that. She never stopped to think whether he was a friendly lion or not. She rushed to him. She felt her heart would burst if she lost a moment. And the next thing she knew was that she was kissing him and putting her arms as far around his neck as she could and burying her face in the beautiful, rich silkiness of his mane. Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy. 
at last. And as I was reading it to my boys, I had to keep stopping <laughs> to control my emotions. And they know I've read enough books to them by now that when mommy stops reading, it's because she's trying not to cry. So they're making fun of me because they, mommy's crying again. Um, but when I was able to pull it together, we talked about that scene a bit and how happy she was to see her dear Aslan. And we spoke about what we'd experienced today, being told we can't go to Mass and that we can't receive Jesus in the Eucharist right now. And I said, when we do return to church, I hope that is what we experience, that we rush to him, that we cannot bear to lose any more moments away from Jesus in the Eucharist, that, 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 and that's where we find our, our grace and our life and our happiness. And so this really is a dry and desert Lent for us because we're so far from him in that way. And I hope, I pray, I hope that by Easter time we can be reunited and that we can rush to him. So that's what we're learning. <laughs> it's, a, it's just a unique time in our life, but we won't let these lessons be lost and we won't let this time be wasted. Um, but we'll just keep working together as a family unit and trying our best to live out our faith and trying our best to find Jesus in whatever and however we can. Yes. So, yes. that's Lent. <laughs> Thank you. Lots. It absolutely is a Lent with lots of lessons, and I do hope that it's almost like God has decided that not just Catholics, but the whole world need to experience this, this Lent this year. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that, Jillian. That's uh, lots for us to reflect on for uh, I did talk for the weeks quite a to come. Time, sorry. <laughs> no, good. Enjoy the rest of your <laughs> the rest of the time with your kids. I will. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, continue uh, reflecting on those lessons. I you've given us a lot to reflect this this week too. Thank you. Thank you. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace. She's the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, this is Luke Spihar, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available on Roku and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and take the show with you wherever you go. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. It's so hard to keep, you know, my like, you know, I'm happy. I'm <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to say it's so hard to keep your distance from me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Okay. Anyway, so so what's your question? Um, this question, I think, um, um yeah, I, I have never experienced like a lot of churches that has no mass now in North America at least, and uh, you know. Um, last Sunday, I actually participated in Mass, TV Mass, okay. on saltandlighttv.org. Saltandlighttv.org, TV Mass. Slash Mass, basically. Yes. You can, you can go Four times a day. Four times a day. But, you know, you, oh, no, you, on demand. We, we have it on demand. Yes. Basically, yes. you can just go online and just click on, you know, I think after noon time, Eastern time, you can already, yes. you know, uh, watch the Mass or participate the Mass. Right. But, you know, watching and participate is two different things, right? So, yes. So, um, how can I participate TV mass properly you know I, I think you know a lot of people will be in PJ you know when, when they are in at home yes. and you know wearing the uh, you know you know uh, yes okay all this okay so I would say because uh, I always have to give you the answer you're not expecting <laughs> I would say that there there is no 
church teaching on how to participate Obviously, on yeah. TV Mass. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, there yeah. is no obligation. Uh-huh. If you miss Mass because you can't go to Mass, there's no obligation to watch it on TV or oh. to listen to it on TV or to listen to it on the radio. So, so, there, so, so if, if you're not able to, go, the obligation is to, to, to be present to attend Sunday Mass. Okay. If you can't go because you're sick or because it's not available, that is not a sin. You are dispensed. Okay. There is no requirement that you have to then w- watch it on TV. However, we're not going to deny that watching it on TV or listening to it on the radio is bad for us. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing that we can do to be in communion with the rest of the church yes. when we are not there. Now, you could not watch it on TV and just maybe pray the readings, oh, okay. read, read the readings with a missile or go online and find the readings and maybe find a nice reflection and, and then do some prayers and you can still do a spiritual communion. Uh-huh. You, you can do that or you can watch it on TV and try to participate as much as you can. When I my see. mom, uh, uh, we were talking about Alzheimer's earlier in the show, when my mom was all, at the beginning of the Alzheimer's, she couldn't go out, but she would watch and sit in mass and in her living room okay. and she would sing all the songs <laughs> and she would sit and stand so she participated. She, she, she couldn't kneel, but she would stand and yeah, kneel yeah. and pray the Lord's prayer with her hands out. So she really participated. Um, I, that's great. I did the same thing. But I actually stand everything. But you but don't have to do that. I you see. don't have to do that. Um, I do think that after you've done all that, it is appropriate, and a lot of people are talking about doing a spiritual communion. Yeah, what is that? Spiritual communion is what everybody who is not able to receive communion uh-huh. should be doing. Okay. Oh, okay. So we okay. believe when we receive communion that you are physically receiving the, the body. body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're, it's physical. You're yeah. actually yeah. consuming it. Now, if you're not able to do that, like your wife, uh-huh. my wife, because mm-hmm. they're not Catholic, yeah. um, or if someone is not a little child who hasn't yet made his first communion, or oh, or if you okay. needed to go to confession and, and you feel that you should not receive communion because you're not in the state of grace, you can still make a spiritual communion and we believe that Christ can still be received. It's not a physical reception of Christ, but Christ is still received. And who am yeah. I to say that Christ is going to be <laughs> received less if he's not, if it's spiritual or it if won't. it's physical, right? So that's oh, up, not. up to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, now, we on our website... Yes. Uh, have posted an act of spiritual communion. I know we did on our social media platforms. Yes. So you can find one. There are some very nice ones, but it's basically just, you know, a little prayer that that uh, tells Jesus that you love him, that you accept him, that you desire him, that you want him into your soul, that you ask him to come into your life. There's really no official, uh, you know, uh, spirit act of spiritual communion. You can say whatever you want in your own words as long as you're inviting Jesus to come into your heart. And you know what? You can do this anytime, anywhere, outside of Mass, while you're driving, in the shower, while you're washing your hands, you can always just say, Jesus, I love you. I am thirsty for you. I desire for you. Please, I want to receive you. Please come into my heart. Fill my soul. And that's that's really all you have to do. That's great. That's great. So now I do not need to, like, you know, uh, dress up myself anymore. You don't need to. I do not need to set up an altar in no, front of don't. my TV. No, you <laughs> don't. No, you don't. But if you do, then maybe that's a good thing. And okay. you can try to participate as much as you can. But uh, but if you don't, I mean, as long as you're paying my, attention. My wife just do a candle. She just find that cute. Right. <laughs> there you go. A candle and watch it on TV. Yeah. Saltandlighttv.org. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Billy. That was Thank a great you. question. All right. Billy Chan, he's a webmaster here at saltandlighttv.org. You can follow him at B. Joe Chan.
Coming up in our second half hour, planning for Alzheimer's, and we meet hip-hop artist Connor Flanagan, so don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. A familiar stranger. That's how author Rhonda Hoffman describes her mother as dementia began to take hold of her. A familiar stranger. I think many of us can relate. My own mother suffered from Alzheimer's for a few years before her death. Hers was late onset and slow progressing. Still, it required some adjusting and how I wished we'd had a manual, a guide. There was a lot of help, but there was always something that we were not prepared for. And this is why Rhonda Hoffman decided to help her daughters prepare. She wrote them a a letter, a pre-dementia love letter. It is titled, When I Am Not Me Anymore. And to tell us more about it, I am now joined by Rhonda Hoffman from her home just outside Edmonton, Alberta. Rhonda, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me about your mom. Oh, my mom. Um, Her and my father were in ministry for 60 years together, and she was this strong, quiet force by his side the whole time. She was very conservative, uh, quiet, very modest. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's four of us girls in our family, so she had her hands full the whole time as well. Right, right. But... she passed away at the age of 93, wow. so she had a really good run. Mm-hmm. Those last years uh, saw a lot of changes in her when dementia set in. Right. And it was, sorry, it was dementia? Or was it Alzheimer's? Mm-hmm. or Dementia. It was dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, and for how long? How many years? Well, you know, that's the thing, that people will live with signs of symptoms of dementia mm-hmm. for between 8 and 12 years. Yes. And like you were saying with your mom, it was slowly progressing. Yeah. And I I would I would doubt that you would be able to point to one moment where no. you said, Oh, dementia's just said No, it. I mean there you was know? there was one moment where we knew that it was serious, yeah. but then yeah. she'd she'd be normal. Um but for ye- many years before that she would say, I think I have Alzheimer's. Um oh, wow. So, so, and I don't know if that's something that she thought she had or she thought she would have it or she would get it or, or, or something. <laughs> um, what, what were some of the things that you found most difficult about your mom's condition? Well, there was the usual, just even with age, you know, we tend to repeat ourselves and forget yeah. the answers that were given to us. But I realized that uh, she really didn't remember that she just asked me that a couple minutes ago and a couple minutes before that. Mm-hmm. So that frustration factor, mm-hmm. when you're not looking for this and, or recognizing it as the disease has set in, but mm-hmm. for me to talk to you and you keep asking me the same questions, like right. what is going on, right. you know? But when, it, when we realize that this is part of one of the symptoms, this is her life now, then it gives you the grace to be able to answer that same question the fourth time with, with the patients you did the first time. Right, as if it was the first time. Yes, and there were changes in her, and she wasn't... Uh, their ability to reason leaves mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And so things that are such common sense isn't common anymore. And again, if you're not watching for that, it's very frustrating. It can be exasperating. 
But when you realize, when you kind of reframe that and realize that this is the new reality, yeah, then it goes a long way in in being gracious and being loving and making them feel secure and and heard. Right. Now, there are a lot of resources out there um, mm-hmm. in uh, helping people deal with this disease, but um, what did you find most helpful? What, what helped you cope? Well, we have a strong family, which really helps mm-hmm. because we were able to tag team. And um, in, in the book, I tell, I have two daughters, mm-hmm. and I tell them that you need to take care of yourself first. And if not coming to visit me, is your way of doing that in this moment, then, you know, do that guilt-free. Mm-hmm. Make sure that that you get the support you need, and if that means staying away, then stay away for a while, and mm-hmm. that way we can enjoy our time together. Mm-hmm. The Alzheimer's Society, of course, is a great resource, mm-hmm. and they have uh, workshops that you can go to as a caregiver. Right. And you, first of all, you walk in there, and you think, oh, man, I'm not alone there's a lot of people going through this, and a lot of people have had more experience at it because they've been in it longer. And those little gems, which I hope people will find in the book, that things that we learned the hard way yeah, is right there for you. And I've had people uh, who've read it and said, oh, man, I wish, my mom's yeah. going through this right now, yes, and I didn't yes. even recognize it. Yeah, no, I, I had the same... Uh the same feeling reading the book. Um, you said something there uh, that I wanted to just clarify. So you 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 told your daughters that the, if they, taking care of themselves meant that they shouldn't come visit you. So you've written the book, this letter, as if you are already suffering from dementia, um, right? So all these the the advice you give them is as if you're already with the disease. How did your daughters respond to to not just you writing the the letter, but writing it from that point of view? Well, yeah, it was, it's hard. I, I cried over every page writing it. And remember, though, this all started because I was de- dealing with my mom, and I realized that she wasn't the same person I knew, mm-hmm. and that one day my girls might be looking at me the same way I was looking at my mom. And I sat down to just write them a love letter, um, share my heart and my feelings, while I could, while mm-hmm. I can still express myself. And then it just kind of took on a life of its own and became this little book mm-hmm. for them. But the reason I wrote it in the first person like that is because when when it's not, it's really easy to read it as a story. And again, that only happens to other people. Right. It doesn't happen to me, right? right. But when you're reading it and thinking, oh, she's actually got this right now, and this is how she's probably feeling this is how I could respond to these different situations. I think it just brought it more home to to me and to my girls as they read it and hopefully look at it down the road. Mm-hmm. What advice would you would you have? I'm sure you have tons of advice. You wrote the book, but um, <laughs> what would be that that main advice? Someone listening right now is is just trying to figure it out day by day. Every day is different, and and I used to tell people, you know, with my mom. Um, as soon as you figure something out, you adjust, and then it changes. Like you, you go into a room and you figure things out, and then you have to go into <laughs> another room, and it just keeps it's changing. True. What what advice? What advice would you have for people that are dealing with a loved one with dementia or Alzheimer's? I think the first thing that comes to mind is that they're not them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the the disease changes who they are, and and someone who is 
sweet and kind her whole life can say some very cruel, right, unexpected things. And when you're on the receiving end of that, it doesn't matter how much you understand about this, it still hurts. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at them as it's not them speaking. It's not her. It's the disease that's speaking through them. Mm-hmm. And that, again, you are not alone with the statistics, uh, you know, on dementia and Alzheimer's, cognitive decline. It is astounding. And with one in three seniors dying with some sort of dementia right now, mm-hmm. more people are affected than not because you either know it personally in your own family or you know somebody who's dealing with it. Yeah. You're not alone. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of resources. You don't have to do it alone. Yes, I think that's really good advice. Um, and there is a lot of research out there. Um, certainly the Alzheimer's Society. So it's the Alzheimer's Society of Canada, right? Um, mm-hmm. And for people that are in the United States, there's the equivalent society in the United States. Um, thank you, Rhonda, for sharing a little bit um, of your experience with your mom and and about this love letter to your daughters. Um it's it's been very useful to me and uh, and I'm sure to our listeners as well. So thank you for writing it and for being with us today. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Rhonda Hoffman is the author of When I Am Not Me Anymore: A Pre-Dementia Love Letter to My Daughters. You can get it wherever you get your books online and to listen to the full interview. If you missed it, go to our website saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Connor Flanagan with Landslide from his album, Skyscrapers. Can't say I never saw it coming Oh, I tried to look the other way Deep down I knew it when I felt it, I felt it I knew it was real and it was here to stay Your love, it moves me like a landslide me away I've been running but I can't hide I can't hide can't can't hide from your landslide from your landslide from your landslide from your landslide I can't give you a time or place Tell you it's no potion This life I live, it has been changed You've put my heart back in motion, in motion, in motion, yeah Your love moves me like a landslide Oh, it carries me away I've been running, but I can't hide I can't hide, can't, can't hide From your landslide From your landslide Like a landslide Oh, it carries me away I've been running but I can't hide I can't hide Can't, can't hide From your landslide From your landslide From your landslide From your landslide
That was Connor Flanagan with Landslide from his album Skyscrapers. Connor Flanagan is a hip-hop artist from a small farm near Cleveland, Ohio. He has three albums. Two of them landed in the top 10 on the iTunes charts. And from what we've been listening to, you can tell that he's not your usual hip-hop artist. And so I'm very happy to welcome Connor Flanagan to the Salt and Light Hour. Connor, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I said you're from a small farm. I don't know if you still live on a farm, but you grew up on a farm, right? Correct, yes. So that was most of my childhood was on that small farm. Yeah, what was that like? It was great. We loved it. I, you know, I, I sometimes feel bad for people who didn't have that because we just had a lot of space to roam and have fun. And uh, I think having kind of a lot of time outside and yeah. the environment we had as kids created such an amazing opportunity for not only like good work ethic, like we had hard chores to do every day, but also just imagination. You know, we're always dreaming up new things to do in the right. yard, games to play and whatnot. Yeah. Was it, uh, sorry, a large family? Oh, uh, yeah. I had so my There's five kids. So, so my mom, my dad, and yeah. four other siblings. Um, yeah. And then we, I grew up in a, in a large, large Irish family. So we had tons of cousins <laughs> who were always over. That's great. Um, That's great. Yeah, every weekend. So. Yeah, yeah. I guess Flanagan. I can tell by your last name, and, and I guess <laughs> yep. we just had St. Patrick's Day. It must have been a quite a different different St. Patrick's Day for you this year. It was. We're used to being downtown and go to mass at the cathedral and participate in all the festivities, but this year everything was a little quieter. Yeah, just a little bit. So I guess growing up, you said Irish family, lots of lots of family. Uh, obviously, Catholic was was the faith a big part of growing mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was a, a a big priority for my immediate family, but you know, even all of my extended family too. Um, it was a it's a it was a grounding factor around. Mm-hmm all the holidays for us, all of our family gatherings, things like that. Yeah. And was it, uh, again, uh, not to be stereotypical, but Irish, so was it musical? Was it a musical family? It was, yeah. So a musical, but very much in the Irish sense. We had, you know, my, I grew up playing Irish instruments, tin whistle and the flute. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of cousins who, who Irish dance who also play um, Irish instruments. So right. specifically around St. Patrick's Day, but also Christmas, Easter, there was always an instrument being pulled out at some time and, and there'd be dancing in the kitchen or whatnot. Yeah, so course. it was fun. That's, that's beautiful. Um, um, did you go through a period of time, maybe in your adolescence, where faith wasn't that strong or were you always pretty strong in the faith? Um, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say I, I ever fell away. I, I never fell away from my faith. There was definitely a time where it went from being routine to relationship, uh-huh. you know, where... Yeah. I went from mimicking what my parents had done to mm-hmm. actually being discipled and encountering God for, you know, for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a very distinct moment, kind of end of high school into my freshman year of college. Right. Um, but it didn't, there's never a falling away. It was more of just a, more of a realization right. of who God is and what he wants for me. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense at that, at, at that age, you went to Franciscan university, right? Correct. Yep. And so that was that was what was happening around that time. Why did you choose to go to Franciscan, to Steubenville? <laughs> you know, honestly, I probably chose to go there for the for the reason that nobody chooses to go there is <laughs> I wanted to play college basketball. Okay. Um, right. I had just started a new program. Yeah. And I wanted to be at a school where I could play 
uh-huh. but also if for some reason I decided not to, I'd have a place that could keep me grounded in my faith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I tell people often, God used basketball to get me there, but right. uh, man, it was, it was the university, it was the people, it was the environment that changed my life. Right, of course. Um, when did you get into hip hop or was that something that you were always into? Uh, I've always had a love for it for as long as I can remember. And, and yeah. my mom specifically did an amazing <laughs> job fostering my love and desire for music. But it was probably, you know, my sophomore year of college. Yeah. I, I wrote music from mm-hmm. a very young age, but it wasn't until my like sophomore, junior year of college that I started really writing hip hop and, and taking it more seriously. Right, because that's not a little a little little different than Irish music. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yep, yep. Um, did you did you when you started writing music? Were you writing quote unquote religious or or what can I I don't know what to call it ministry kind of based music? I mean, when you go way back, and I was in middle school, I was writing emotional middle school music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, all that great you know, stuff. So- yeah. Yeah, angsty, you know, probably didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time. Yeah, songs, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, my faith is, is who I am. You know, I would be absolutely nothing without without Jesus, and so it's impossible to keep him out of the songs. He's mm. my story to tell, and so my music has always been grounded in that and who he is and, and what the hope he can bring and the hope he has brought to my life. Right. Um, and I'd say as I get older as a songwriter and, and more mature, I find more creative ways of telling those stories. Mm-hmm. Some songs may not be as explicit mm-hmm. uh, yeah, of course. in an attempt to reach a broader audience, but yeah. I never try to hide it. Yeah. I mean, even the, the, the two songs that we've already heard in the program, Landslide and um, Sky, uh, Skyscrapers, they're not that obvious, you know. It's not like, mm-hmm. like love songs to Jesus or anything like that. Right, um, right. Um do you, did you ever struggle with because some people might say you know we get praise and worship we might not like contemporary Christian music but we get it but hip hop is like a completely whole different genre that just kind of doesn't fit like those sacred music and hip hop um, what do you tell them um, well you know I I would tell them that if if that's you know I I respect that opinion but then I just think you'll never be able to embrace culture uh-huh. Um Hip hip hop, the genre of hip hop controls culture right now. Mm. It controls what athletes are doing. It controls celebrities. It influences celebrity life. Um, it is influencing the younger generation twenty four seven. And so, you know, my hope is that I can just be a light in that world and bridge the gap between a totally secularized genre and and a God who has so much hope. Mm-hmm. for his people yeah um and if i could be some somewhere in the middle there trying to bridge the two saying hey we can we can exist together uh you know and, and use this medium as a way to to get on kids phones and into their hearts and into their minds the message of hope and of love then let's do it you know yeah, yeah. and 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 it's good to know you're not alone i, I can i don't i, I mean I, I wonder if you grow up listening to father stan fortuna and of course now there's joe melendres and uh, righteous B. I don't know if he's doing anything anything new uh, still, but but the, there are more people that are embracing, I guess, Catholics that are embracing this this genre, this style of music, um, and using yeah. it very effectively to reach, as you said, to reach uh, people, not just just young people, but young people that are in the culture, in that are mm-hmm. in the world. Um, what would you say then is is the m- 
maybe your mission or the mission for your ministry? What are your hopes for your ministry? Yeah. Um, you know, my mission is to, I think, um, man, I could, I, I, I could go so many different ways with this, but at the heart of it is, I just think, uh, people need a message of hope. Mm. We live in a, in a very hopeless world. And I think even now is a, is a perfect example of that. Yes. <clears throat> people turn inward before they turn upward. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just, I would hope that I write music that breeds hope lyrically, but also musically, that there's a, there's a natural sense of joy that comes with the instrumentation and, um, and yeah. that, you know, I, I really feel like hip hop can for, for a young person specifically, you know, we get brought in, we just were brought in to lift Jesus higher, you know, youth yes. rally yes. up, up in Toronto. And, yes. um, you know, I think hip hop is a great way of reaching the people in the back, in the back rows in the back pews who may not want to be at the event. It's true. But that all of a sudden they, they get a cultural connection and they're like, Oh wait, Hey, these people are, are relevant or there's, mm-hmm. they're, they know what I like. Mm-hmm. And then they're, there's a wall that's broken down so that the content can come through and take yeah. root. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to be a message of hope, really a message of joy to, to a culture that seems kind of static and, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't look up often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. A lot of things are being canceled, but joy and hope are not canceled. So They're not that's canceled. good to know. Um, Connor, um, Thank you, thank you. It's, it's great meeting you. I, I I look forward to more good stuff from you. I know you have the three albums, uh, um, so and but it's time for a new one. So whenever that happens, <laughs> you let us know, and uh, we'll get you back All on right. the show. And hope hopefully we can connect next year when you if you come back to Toronto for Lift Jesus Higher Rally. Uh, it would be yes, great to, to meet you in person. All right, thank you. God bless and stay safe. Thank you. God bless. You can learn more about Connor Flanagan, his music, his ministry. Book him for your event at his website, connorflanaganmusic.com. And to listen to the full interview or any part of this program, go to saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Connor Flanagan with his single, Dangerous. I woke up like this, a fire in my bones. Feeling like a fighter, my head in the zone. I found freedom in the light. You already know, yeah. You already know. I'm not in it for the accolades. Stay true to the name of the one who says. Roll up to the Grammys in a carry. Not yet, but hear me when I say one day. Hear me when I say one day. In my basement, like daily complacent. I'm chasing God. Why you waiting? Impatient. I'm breaking my mind open to find the right words for this song. I hope you all sing along. Like ooh la la, I go on. Balling like I'm LeBron. Comparison, it got the best of me yesterday. Remedy, I know the recipe. Give it to God. Celebrate victory for all my friends and pray for my enemies. Yeah. We're listening to Connor Flanagan with his single, Dangerous. And that will bring us to the end of our program. If you missed any part of the show, remember that you can stream or podcast the Salt and Light Hour at saltandlighttv.org. You can also listen to this show on Roku, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. So no excuses for not listening to the show. You're sitting at home. You're bored. You don't have anything to do. Listen to the Salt and Light Hour. Just look for the Salt and Light Hour. 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Deacon Pedro. Send me your comments. Tell me how you're doing. Tell me what you're doing. Um, we always love to hear from you and stay safe. We are traveling uncharted waters here. This is a pretty unique Lenten season. Um, there's more time for prayer, more time for reflection, and more time for taking care of each other. So don't forget those things. Hope, light, joy, laughter, love, kindness, generosity, those things have not been canceled. So thank you for being with us today. Stay safe. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. of fire in my bones feeling like a fighter yeah my head in the zone i found freedom in the light you already know yeah you already know i woke up like this a fire in my bones feeling like a fighter yeah my head in the zone